Hey y'all, I just wanted to put a little kicker before today's episode. It is not the episode about trans rights that I plan on doing in the future, but this is some timely information and I just want to get it out there. So the Kansas State Senate has just passed the SB 180 bill. The short title is Establishing the Women's Bill of Rights to Provide a Meaning of Biological Sex for Purposes of Statutory Construction. This, if passed, will be one of the first laws in the United States that defines a man and a woman. It has been passed by the Kansas State Senate and is going to the House for various hearings. It currently has a hearing on Monday, March 6, 2023. So I highly encourage all my listeners in the state of Kansas to contact your state-level House representatives and tell them that you are against State Bill 180. I'm not going to go into why this is such a bad bill and how it will turn into the ongoing genocide against our trans comrades. That'll be for another episode. In the meantime, just follow SB 180, contact your house reps, and tell them that you are vehemently against it. So anyway, uh, now back to our regularly scheduled show. My coming from Rome after. other people like it. I was like, I listen to Led Zeppelin. But I didn't really, it's just my Joe the fucking hipster. Well, if he doesn't really, then he's not as much a hipster as he's a poser. Okay. Yeah, poser. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the word. We've been recording this talk about hipsters and posers, and it'll probably be the lead-in for the show, so we should probably get to the yeah, actual I mean, script. I think it does relate because it's like, oh, that's what a lot of people my age like. I'm going to hate on it because it's popular. That's like part of toxic masculinity, I think. Oh, we just gave away the topic before we even got to the script. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, everybody. The best part of doing a podcast is typing all the things I love into one, or tying all the things I love into one project. Writing? Check. Bullshitting? Check. Spewing my opinions into the void and hoping someone hears them? Check. Kicking with the homies? Check. It's a little bit of everything. So, as you heard, we have some guests today. I'm jumping on the script here. We have my friend Kelly. And of course, Comrade Joe is joining us because today we're going to talk about toxic masculinity. Oh, by the way, this is Red Leg Revolution, a show about community, and part of the of building that community is building better men. Yep, today we're talking about masculinity. What is it? How's it different from toxic masculinity? Where do we get our ideas of manliness? And how patriarchy hurt, harms everyone. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, welcome, Kelly. Thank you. It's my first time being on a podcast. It is, and I appreciate that you are, in fact, here in person, because I love doing studio recordings. And, of course, Joe, how are you doing there, buddy? Hi, Mike. Good to be here, Mike. All right. Always great to be chatting with you chaps. (laughs) Coffee and beer. Beer? Incidentally, I'm drinking a PBR while we do this. All right. You guys ready to talk about masculinity? Speaking of masculinity and what we're drinking, I'm drinking Raz Cranberry LaCroix, so... That's so fancy. (laughs) I'm drinking warm Dr. Pepper. You know, I just realized something. When I have multiple people, I should set up a group chat. That's what they do on other podcasts, so send links and information well we're breaking new barriers yeah exactly and i mean this is honestly i'm pretty stoked about being able to get the studio set up to do this is this your first threesome chuck not my first (laughs) one girl (laughs) 
little TMI. That that was for the sex episode right there. Um, speaking of, uh, let's go ahead because that that doesn't threaten my masculinity to make jokes like that. So we should hop back to the script. So yeah, um, Joe, uh, as as a man, um, what what do you feel makes you a man? Well, having a penis, I guess. Um, what makes me a man? See, I mean, this gets confusing because then you start talking about gender versus sex, right? And, like, I try to stay out of all that because I don't really know enough about it. Like, I mean, I'm obviously, like, pro-trans and all that. But what makes me a man? All right, don't look too deep into it, Joseph. Just answer the question. Um, I guess having a penis and, like, um, that's about it, really. I, I don't think much about it. So maybe... Or if you phrase it differently and I have a different answer. There's probably a lot of like subconscious stuff that go into your belief of like what makes a good man versus a bad man. Yeah. And to me, honestly, like for the longest time, and we're going to talk about this a little later in the script, but for the longest time, I equated manliness with exactly how you just described it with, you know, what's between your legs. But as I've evolved and thought, and times have changed, you know, I've gotten to know more trans people and I realized I know a lot of trans women who may have penises and I know a lot of trans men who may not have penises, mm-hmm. so. I basically feel like it's totally fine to love your big dick energy or whatever, <laughs> like just love your penis and like associate it with your masculinity. I would just not want to exclude those who might not have one. So it's like we're only asking what's your personal take on it. So it's not like how do you view masculinity as a whole? Like you don't have to have a penis to be masculine. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you I can what. certainly oh, – I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say real quick. I can certainly answer like what, what – how have I weighed I, my – internal like conceptions of of how a man should be and is projected as versus like what society's expectations are right because that's something like you know as a young man especially like i don't really deal with that anymore but i mean we we were talking about like being a poser earlier right like i've growing up in like um the school i went to the high school i went to like those are the times i feel like you deal with those issues like the, the most and they kind of define who you are and who you're going to be and your notions of like manliness or whatever in the future. So I'll tell you what, let's get back into the script, but at the end of the episode, somebody remind me in case I don't remember. I I, I want to revisit this topic and see if maybe we have some different thoughts. <clears throat> so uh, let's go back to the script. Let's start with the very concept of masculinity. Dictionary.com says, Quote, qualities or attributes regarded as characteristics of men or boys, end quote. It's such a simple concept that has, over thousands of years, encouraged violence, subjugated half the population, and encourages a lot of the systems that we deal with to this day. So, let's talk a little about social constructs. This is where we have to start in this conversation, and it applies to many other things. So, a social construct is an agreed-upon idea that we all accept as a universal truth. Things like gender, identity, race, money. Things like gender, identity, race, money, hell, even our own very notion of self are social constructs. 
as much as I'd like to do a deep dive into the concept of the self as a social construct, that's a whole nother episode, and I'm going to need a lot more substances to get into that. Uh, yeah, so for now, let's go to this article I found on Medium.com by Asher Firestone. That's a hell of a name, by the way. Kind of like an arsonist character written by J.K. Rawlings. The article is titled, <laughs> What is a Social Construct? And was published on March 22, 2022. Quote, sorry, I'm trying to figure out where to put my phone so I can read my script without hitting the pop filter. All right, quote, while there are many differences between humans, only some differences get attributed certain meanings that lead to particular outcomes like racism or sexism. Let's look at a simple example to start. People who wear the same shoe size do not often classify themselves as a unique group with a shared experience, but why isn't shoe size given a meaning that leads to alternative outcomes for people who are, say, size 9 plus versus those who have a shoe size smaller? In creating a socially constructed category, people choose to look at certain arbitrary similarities between a group of people and socially define that group by them. This is problematic because there are actually more differences within a group of people who are, for example, quote, white, end quote, than there are between white, quote, end quote, and black, quote, end quote, people. But the categorization of people into distinct groups is not random or even necessary. Rather, it serves as a tool to justify unequal distribution of power throughout time, end quote. So, yeah, social constructs are both unifying and dividing. On one hand, they unify us by giving us a common baseline of thought. For example, money is a social construct that denotes how much any given thing is worth, goods or services. On the other hand, as that article pointed out, it's also one of the biggest catalysts for power imbalances. I bring all this up because I have a geeky tendency for sociology and because our ideas of gender are social constructs. And social constructs change over time, as well as varying between localized and globalized thought. Masculinity is one of those concepts that has gone through many changes throughout histories and cultures. So we're gonna talk specifically about the here and now as well as the Americanized masculine ideal. So, anybody got any thoughts on that? Oh, uh, Kelly, you wanna go first? No, you go. So, get um, on it. No, sounds good to me so far. Okay, any thoughts there, Kelly? Um, I don't know, like, that was a lot of words. <laughs> I kind well, of zoned out midway through. <laughs> welcome to my show. And honestly, we did, uh, the last episode that we did was about the train derailment in Ohio. And that one was laden really heavy with a lot of numbers and a lot of, like, cold hard facts. This one's similar insofar as it's it's the same type of thing, but it's going into sociology and um and philosophy a little bit and stuff like that so no worries you just you, know. you can take my silence as my confusion with my own masculinity oh cool <laughs> well then you're gonna not have a lot to say in this episode because but wait there's more <laughs> I, I do think like you brought up sociology and i do think like i've been reading a lot about marx and historical materialism he talks a lot about patriarchy in there and yeah. stuff so i think it is important to note that, like, like as society has become more complex, like, these notions of masculinity be become more embedded in our social constructs. So I'm interested to see where you take the script. Oh, yeah. From here. Cool. Well, let's get to it. I do so, want to add really quickly. Sorry. Go for it. Like, some people, I feel like, are resistant to gender being a social construct. They're like, no, it's not. It's just 
you have a penis or you have a vagina but like it gender truly is a spectrum and like asexual creatures intersexual creatures transgender creatures exist in nature and they've existed uh you know among our kind since the beginning of time and so I feel like it's sort of like how people freak out about more and more kids being diagnosed with autism they're just like oh my god this autism is on the rise but really it's more people are being true to themselves yeah that's kind of how I feel like it is in the LGBTQIA plus alphabet mafia it's like We've always been here, it's just we're louder now, and partly that's due to just a lot of change over time, and the internet makes it a lot easier for people to, like, find... Their community. Their community, exactly. So, Joe, I'm going to read this the way I wrote it, but uh, don't don't take it personal, homie, okay? (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) All right. So, some small-minded people who have fully fallen into the illusion of gender constructs would say someone with male reproductive organs makes a man. (laughs) But those of us who understand the concepts of social constructs realize that this is a false thought. I know women who have penises and men who have vaginas. It's not so simple as biology. So, yeah. Do you feel uh, served? Do Do you feel put in your place? You got served. You yeah, got I just served. got a summons and complaint on my doorstep. Holy I just, shit. I just gotta serve you so, so you don't get canceled. I like having you on my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what is a man? The popular concept pushed by our right-leaning society that still has vestigial puritanical values would say something like a beer-drinking, red meat-eating, gun-owning, hard-working, emotionally repressed, violent being whose only duty is to provide for his family. Those are the core concepts that misanthropic influencers like Andrew Tate or Dr. Jordan B. Peterson take and then inflate. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Take and inflate to ridiculous extremes. These are the same ideas that drive people like Ben Shapiro to drive a Ford F-350 even though he doesn't work with his hands. Masculinity to them is rigid. I feel like there's a good boner joke in there, but I'm too classy to make it. Uh. You can work blue if you want to, though. (laughs) The idea of masculinity is what drives toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is all of the previous statement wrapped up in extremes and ignores the subtler side of being a man. Maya Salam of the New York Times sums it up in this article titled, What is Toxic Masculinity? Published on January 22nd, 2019. No, go away, Peterson. Quote, so what does toxic masculinity or traditional masculine ideology mean? Research has defined it in part as a set of behaviors and beliefs that include the following. Suppressing emotions or masking distress. Maintaining an appearance of hardness. Violence as an indicator of power. Think tough guy behavior. In other words, toxic masculinity is what can come of teaching boys that they can't express emotion openly, that they have to be tough all the time, and that anything other than that makes them feminine or weak. No, it doesn't mean that at all. No, it does not mean all men are inherently toxic. End quote. Anybody got any thoughts on that before I push on? I mean, the truth has been spoken. <laughs> Can I get a name, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, any, yeah, you talked good? about how, like, uh, 
feminine, you know, expressing femininity is bad. And it made me think of like stoicism and how that philosophy is like gotten such a big following with like the red pill community, I yeah. guess, if you will. What is stoicism? And brief. It's no, like, brief. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like old Roman Greek like, people writing about how like Marcus Aurelius, like he wrote meditations and it's like, just it's their rich person's version of like how to be a good, strong person or man. So it's like very old, first of all. And it's kind of like gotten revived in those circles. That's not to say there's not good things in stoic, like some stoic uh, philosophy, but yeah, that's just what made me think of. So what is the problem with it? What's the problem with yeah, it? Yeah, in terms of, like, what are I the guess, aspects of that Dr. Mas Peterson's ideas of masculinity and philosophies can get really construed for bad reasons, usually as a grift. Like, for, like, you talk about Andrew Tate and those guys, like, those guys just take shit and, and there's grifters, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and Andrew Tate is a sex trafficker. Uh, and normally yeah. I'm a cab, but Andrew Tate can rot in a Romanian jail as far as I care. Did you see his uh, his pictures recently? He's like, he can't get a haircut in Romanian jail, so he just looks fucking a mess, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy considering he prides himself on his appearance so much. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, but Andrew Tate actually, I mean, we're not going to talk anymore about Andrew Tate, but Andrew Tate is a perfect example of toxic masculinity. So back to the script. Toxic masculinity is also feelings of entitlement to sexual encounters and an inability to form close male friendships, a focus on competition over cooperation, the idea of a man's dominion over his home, and phrases like man up, the indifference to, in to household chores and child rearing, or big small dick energy. Can I ask you guys when do you feel like the, like how old were you? when you can first remember somebody being like, don't do that, boys don't do that, be a man, be a boy, like, whatever. Excellent question. Because I feel like it starts in early childhood. Oh, it like, totally does. By the time you're three years old, you are all about being in your gender role. Yeah. That you know? was how old I remember first being told, you know, boys don't cry. One of my students um, was having a really enriched, like, creative playtime with his peers, and he had special needs so it was really rare um but his mom came in to like pick him up early that day and was like what are you doing and he just shut down and didn't answer she was like you can't play with barbies that's for girls don't do that <laughs> i'm just like that is abusive <laughs> like it's not only men that maintain the patriarchy oh yeah like, you know a lot of us buy into that shit, and it's really harmful. So I will I will say that it was more learned from my peers than like my family, because my family was, even though like my mom's side they were like Catholic, and my dad's side too, like they were pretty open and accepting of like like I played Barbies when I was a boy, like I was a pretty feminine boy <laughs> like at times. Yeah. Like um, I used to play, play pretty pretty princess with my sisters and shit, and like dress up Aww. as a queen and that. Um, I love so, that like, for I you. Face, yeah, yeah, I didn't face any of that at home as much, nearly as much as I did it like at school. Well, like that's 
reminds yeah. me of the <clears throat> my favorite bell hooks quote and i remember talking about it i'm going to paraphrase because i don't have it up but uh she said that a patriarchy's first act of violence is not toward women it's toward the men, men themselves they're required to kill off the emotional part of themselves and if they don't succeed in doing it their peers will do it for them mm. so it sounds like that's what happened with you that's deep oh that's why it's my favorite especially when i'm talking to other men and it's like this is why you know it's I'm, I consider myself a feminist because I believe everybody should be equal and that's how to be a good anarchist, but there's practicalities to it too, like patriarchy hurts me too, which we'll get to. Um, so let's jump back to this script. Can we actually, yeah, can you make sure your cord isn't touching this cord Yeah, no, I'm making this out? Yeah, well, and I'm also worried about uh, audio chatter. So actually, let me see. Well, you know what? I got to do some adjustments, and we're about 20 minutes in. So, Joe, you know what time it is? Uh, Jordan Peterson voice, or is it time for a song? Um, well, you see, for, for any <laughs> podcast to succeed, you need to have corporate sponsors. And even though this show doesn't have corporate sponsors, he, he does have some sponsors. So thank you very much, Dr. Peterson. <laughs> Blue Chew now. Blue Chew is... So, all right. So we're going to run some commercials, but as is our habit on this show, everybody gets to plug something. It doesn't have to be a business. It could be a thing. It could be an organization. So, Joe, what do you want to plug for the commercial? I'm going to plug three things. Uh, I'm going to plug, first one's therapy. Yeah. Um, go to therapy. I had my first therapy session in, like, forever today. So Congratulations, cool. my friend. That's good to hear. Yeah. The second thing is, like, I'm actually publishing a, a poetry manuscript, and I'll have details on that in the next episode. Hell I'm yeah. in the process of, like, the finishing touches with a doing that right now and then the third thing is just casey tenets um yeah that's that's my org that's what I organize with sweet kelly you got anything you want to plug well i actually don't think i'd like to plug the personal projects that i'm working on because oh, i'd rather be like more you can anonymous. plug ice cream <laughs> okay. seriously i've plugged ice cream before well i'm not going to give specifics but i'm going to plug the wizard of oz just because i'm directing a musical production with a bunch of sixth graders with my most favorite co-worker nice. and i'm very excited about it so not to mention you've done a amazing cover of somewhere over the rainbow so somewhere over the rainbow it's all right now singing is jordan peterson <laughs> somewhere Okay, you know what? We need to go to ads. <laughs> ads. I just got my hours cut again. How can I pay my bills? Yeah, it sucks, especially since they only pay us minimum wage. But what can we do? Solidarity Man. That's right, fellow workers. It is I, Solidarity Man, champion of the working class, and it sounds like you need a union. A union? That's right. What power on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? So a union makes us strong? That's right. Alone, you can do little to change your situation, but together you can move mountains, and the industrial workers of the world are here to help. Huh? The IWW is a union for all workers, no matter the trade, job, or career, and we want to organize your workplace. Wow. 
Where can we find the IWW? In your hometown. The IWW has branches all over the world. Check out IWW.org to find your local membership board or join as an at-large member and start your own chapter. After all, our greatest superpower is working together. I must go. I hear another exploited worker calling for help. But remember, the working class and the employing class have nothing in common. Away! Hey, capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old-school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at revolutionrecordskc.com. Deep in the swamps of Florida. Honey, is that a new plant? He dwells, waiting. Where did those seeds come from, honey? Silently. Oh my god, what is that thing? Sending seeds and stickers across the country. Ah! And spreading solidarity. Have you lost your mind, honey? We can't move to a sustainable commune in upstate New York. What's wrong with you lately? There's no stopping him. The Mighty Skunk Ape is on Facebook, and he's on a mission. Anarchy! No! Coming to a post office box near you, the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. Let's talk more about toxic masculinity. How is it possible that masculinity is good but can also be toxic, which is a bad thing? I ask because I firmly believe that masculinity in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but the version we operate under is. There are elements of masculinity that are often ignored or overlooked. In many cultures, masculinity is measured in things like kindness, generosity, and diplomacy. The idea that a man of quality can provide for his family and community is kind to others, and while he may have the capacity for violence, his intelligence and force of character makes excuse me, violence unnecessary. I'm reading a great book about Comanche history, and for the first few hundred years that the book covers, the most influential leaders who embodied Comanche ideas of manliness were the ones who brokered peace deals with great economical impact to their tribe. It wasn't until later, when colonization really kicked off, that the war chiefs took the mantle of manliness. <clears throat> so masculinity involves protection. And that's not just to protect from violence. That's protection from hunger, from emotional pain, from all the sufferings of life. But the element of protection isn't present in toxic masculinity, or if it is, it only focuses on the form of violence. To me, masculinity is tender, kind, generous, providing respite and a safe haven from the world. Masculinity is being in touch with all elements of yourself, 
physical, spiritual, and emotional. This is an essential element of being able to embody the full spectrum of masculinity, and the idea that men shouldn't have emotions is a direct oppositional to that. We've talked a little bit about masculinity and men's mental health last year, but more from the perspective of general issues that arrive, arise from stereotypical norms of masculinity rather than the direct impact of toxic masculinity on men's emotional intelligence and health. And now, well, anybody got any thoughts on that before I kind of shift? I do. I really like how you put that. And I think, like, I wish I had spent more time to, on this topic researching it but I, I definitely think like masculinity or the collective idea of masculinity like where in your society is a reflection of like the society that you live in right totally so and people who like are against that like like if you grow up in a hyper capitalist society like america racist you know sexist and you have conflicting like views on when while you live in that society like you're gonna feel you know ostracized i guess would be the way yeah to say it's it. intersectionality which we'll, we're building up to but you're you're on point with it so i was just thinking about like my own experiences with loved ones that are men and like how a lot of men have had harmful impacts in my life but I didn't want that to take away masculinity from me like I don't want to miss out on wholesome masculinity because of bad bad uh, interactions with toxic masculinity yeah same like um if someone is sexually assaulted like that person isn't gonna miss out on sex just because it's been used to hurt them yeah like same kind of deal where like people that have religious trauma like don't let them take god away from you yeah. like you can still have your own spiritual experience you can have your own sexual experience or your own like wholesome masculine experience despite most of those things being weaponized against women yeah well interesting or i mean not interesting but good timing bringing that up so now for a change of pace Here's some of my daddy issues. <laughs> Don't worry, they're actually applicable to the narrative, not just me spewing vitriol to my father. So my dad is a traditional Catholic patriarch, or he nominally tried to be. My dad was a womanizer, a domestic abuser, and a toxic parent, but under his worldview, steeped in Catholicism doctrines of forgiveness and sociocultural socio norms from the Renaissance, he justified it all. So my idea of masculinity stemmed from a weird place to begin with. My dad was a pillar of toxic masculinity. He was emotionally closed off and was sparing and superficial when he did choose to share. He was prone to cry, but I still to this day suspect there are crocodile tears since I only really remember him crying when he was fighting with my mom and begging for forgiveness. He was quick to violence. I think the Simpsons, that's a paddling line, and you'll get about what my childhood was like. Although, to be fair, he never paddled us. He was, he was a hand guy. He liked to throw hands. So, He also only really knew how to expro express anger, explosive anger. He knew everyone in town and yet had no intimate friendships. He was a talker, a storyteller, and a very closed man. These traits seemed incompatible to me until I saw them in myself. 
and was like, holy shit, what am I doing? <laughs> so he believed strongly that women belonged in the kitchen, homosexual people were going to hell, and the children were extensions of him and had no autonomy whatsoever. He also believes that a monarchy is the best government system, and he calls himself an ANCAP, so, you know, make, make your own <laughs> judgments there. Uh, yeah. So, my, world, my early worldview was shaped strongly by his. More so, my idea of what a masculine man was came from him. I didn't know how to identify, let alone feel my feelings, until my mid-30s, and that was despite my mom's serious attempts to impact some emotional intelligence on me. I was almost 40 when I realized I'd only felt a few things in my life. Joy when my kids were born, sadness when my first close friend passed, and anger too many times to count. The anger issues I struggle with come from toxic masculinity. If my father had been socially allowed in his own mind to express other emotions as well and addressed his anger and trauma head on, well, I'd have less trauma, better role models, and healthier coping skills. It's also important to note here, not that I'm excusing either his or my own behavior, but generational trauma is a real thing. His father was beaten, and my grandfather was beaten, all the way back through time. And we all inherit that stuff along with our coping skills. Ideas of masculinity have influenced this since we came up with the construct of gender. Any thoughts on my horrible childhood or what I read subsequently? Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> you know what? That, that did take me take me kind of back to a dark place and we're not due for a commercial break so we're gonna do what we always do on this show when we need to reground so everybody just close your eyes take a deep breath and imagine ronald reagan burning in the seventh circle of hell nancy it's it's very hot nancy 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 Okay, let's bring it back. Deep breath. All right, I'm good. You guys good? I'm good. I just like to imagine Reagan like walking around with Alzheimer's down there. He's like, they're going to put me in a movie. <laughs> you know, speaking of, do you know how John Wayne died? No, I don't. Smoking cigarettes, I would guess. That was part of it, but more so because he recorded a movie. I believe it was when he played Genghis Khan in the most horrible <laughs> case of white face ever, um, or yellow face ever. But when they recorded that movie, they recorded it in Nevada, near where they were doing the Manhattan Project tests. And a bunch of fallout, like a whole bunch of people from that movie got cancer. And I feel bad for all of them except John Wayne. <laughs> That's like U.S. imperialism turned inward at the at yeah the right. Left. Well, and I, you know, that little tidbit about John Wayne wasn't in the script, but funny that he came up because a big basis of what we think of modern masculinity comes from the tropes that John Wayne pushed. So yeah, fuck you the. You gotta Duke. throw in that the Sopranos quote where he's just like, "Whatever happened to all the you know the old school guys?" <laughs> uh, well, I'll have to find it for you. <laughs> right. All right. <clears throat> so, ideas of masculinity have influenced this since we came up with the construct of gender, which is one of the ways we got to where we are today. Generations of emotionally repressed men whose only socially acceptable outlet is anger. 
that's not even touching on social issues of the long-standing patriarchy which go hand in hand with our notions of masculinity. In fact, without our questionable ideas of what a man is, I firmly believe the patriarchy couldn't exist, at least in the form it currently exists in. The social constructs of gender relations exist so that men can subjugate women for reproduction, free domestic labor, and sexual gratifications, among many other things. <laughs> you have, were you just being disgusted, or do you have thoughts, Dad? Oh, yeah, both. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Let me go ahead and, uh, well... <laughs> yeah, let me go ahead and finish this Absolutely. paragraph out. One more line. I don't want to go too into the weeds about feminism and patriarchy since that's a whole different show, but it is important to acknowledge that the ideas of masculinity prop up the patriarchy, and the patriarchy props up the idea of masculinity. So, feel free to go ahead and open up. I was curious um, about your relationship with your father, Joe. Like, do you feel like you had toxic masculinity modeled for you as well? Well, I, I was actually going to weigh on that because he had mentioned uh, generational trauma. And, like, my grandpa grew up on a farm in, like, southeast Missouri. Very, you know, typical kind of household for that time and place like there he left home actually when he was super young because he wanted to be a musician and he passed on alcoholism and abuse to my dad and my dad like he kind of got beat up on by his brothers my dad was a all-state uh, wrestling state champion like athlete soccer player in college but he was never like super masculine guy and i think it's because he didn't want to be like his dad to me and i think in like some ways i internally resented that you I know i want to ask because... if he i'm so sorry to interrupt if he wasn't masculine does that mean that he was feminine like is that the only other option or no, he just wasn't I, like I, a I, macho man uh i guess he wasn't a toxic toxic masculine you know what I mean? He wasn't toxically masculine. So at least. he was wholesomely masculine? Well, t no, because he was adulterous. So I have, like, really well, mixed feelings about it. Well, and I, totally understandable, but it is important to kind of look at the whole picture with questions like that. And I say this as somebody, you know, my dad was a philanderer, too. So I have, you know, he's he, toxic masculine, or he practiced toxic masculinity, but he would have done that even if he had been faithful, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. He, my dad was just very, like, uh, laid back and kind of passive and goofy, you know? And yeah. I've kind of resented that sometimes because, you know, I saw other people's dads and I was like, and I, I'm very sensitive. I grew up, I was a very sensitive kid and, like, emotional and... So, I remember thinking and wanting him to be like more of a hard ass. You know what I mean? Because other people's dads are like that. Yeah, my dad can beat up your dad, and you're like, well, my dad can not beat up your dad. My dad can tell a funny joke. Right. Make me dinner. My dad can be somewhat emotionally intelligent. <laughs> I, well, I think I was projecting my own issues onto him. From your like, peers? Like, that's yeah. who taught you that? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we get our core values 
from our parents, whether it's we follow them or we reject them and set our core values, but it is our peers who solidify those values one way or another. So it wouldn't surprise me if you weren't projecting a bit onto him about that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's get back to the script because we are humming right along. This is awesome. Oh, I was actually going to add um, about my dad where I sort of wish that he had tried to share masculinity with me more because he's a hard ass. Like, he would brag about fights that he had won in the past, and he's very much into, like, race cars, sprint cars, and, you know, typical boomer white guy, like, middle-class American dream. Um, And because he had my mom and us two daughters he was surrounded by three girls the whole childhood long and he he would show femininity sometimes but the masculinity was like not for us because we were girls like he didn't share it with us he sort of separated himself in order to have like his garage space Mm -hmm. with his brothers and like you know bump elbows with the buddies or whatever yeah so, like, I wish that I knew more about, like, how to take care of a car, like, how to do that myself and that sort of thing. And I wish that I had been, like, these kids today know about gender fluidity, mm-hmm. whereas I had no idea that that was even an option when I was a kid. Yeah. But, like, you know, just kind of feel like that was neglected because every kid has a masculine and a feminine side. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not it's not the binary despite what we try to say it is. <clears throat> so I get that. I, I actually lived a with I have two sisters. I was the middle child and my mom was like the custodial parent. So I was with her like five, six five days a week. So like I lived in a household with three women and I had stepdads who came in and out. And after my dad, like most of those guys were pretty the same as your dad, asshole, typical, you know, yeah. kind of blue or white guys, middle Trump American supporter white. types. Yeah. yeah. All right. And that type of masculinity or guys propping up that masculinity is self-defeating. Y'all are doing great getting ahead of the script, which just shows me my friends are my friends because they think very similar to me so back to it what are the effects of toxic masculinity besides frail emotional relationships and the associated traumas they bring it's literally killing men from the inside from an article at the historian by josephine jobbins published on may 12 2017 titled man up the victorian origins of toxic masculinity quote the latest figures released this is from britain too The latest figures released by the Office of National Statistics once again confirm that men are three times more likely to commit suicide than women. Suicide remains the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45 in the UK. The lack of improvement in these figures has been combated in recent years by specific campaigns run by charities such as Calm to challenge social stigmatization of mental illness, particularly for men, and offer support to those in crisis. The culture of toxic masculinity that modern society prescribes, one of a variety of models available to men, in which men have to be unemotionally, unemotional, strong, sexually dominant, and violent, is clearly harmful to women and those in the LGBTQ 
uh, plus community. But evidently, it is also deeply damaging to men. In fact, it's literally killing them. And, and it's killing women, too. Well, yeah. But <laughs> so, like, that's no. not the same, but yeah, it's well, also true. And I mean, this is exactly why I was telling you before we got on, you know, this is why I wanted you as a guest as well for this, because it helps to have that perspective to kind of remind us. And I mean, <clears throat> I obviously already knew. That's why I'm including it in the script. But it is something that we need to talk about, even though I'm coming at this particular subject today from my perspective about how it's affecting me and people like me. But it is important to remember that there's all sorts of, of collateral damage that comes with this bullshit idea of masculinity. Right. So... Yeah, that's really not to belittle, like, the emotional and mental struggle that people go through. Like, I think that's why people, um, some people don't like feminism because of the man-hate. And it's like, well, it's different than my experience as a woman, for sure. But that doesn't mean that it's not super shitty sometimes. Yeah. I remember I once shared a meme on Facebook um, that... Denoted. There's your first mistake. <laughs> right. Hey, man, I was a shit poster. Be- well, no, I guess I was a podcaster before I was a shit, co- uh, shit poster. But, yeah, I shared this meme on Facebook that uh, illustrated how men can be beaten for refusing sex as well. And I shared it because it literally has happened to me. And somebody who considered themselves a feminist was very offended that I shared this meme and I'm like, I didn't come to your page. Like I'm all about not chiming in when it's not the time and place. Mm-hmm. You know, if one of my, you know, women friends share something, I'm not going to hop in and be like, Oh, what? You know, not all men or this happens to men too. Was but she- when I do it on my page, I'm like, let me acknowledge that like I'm a victim of domestic abuse. Was I am she also just a man. like, but women though. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of did that too a little bit. Okay. Oh, like well. when I was just now, when I was like, yes, well, and it's killing women too. Well, yeah, but I, I feel in your case, I kind of brought that up. So mm-hmm. it was like an opening for it. You know, this yeah. isn't this isn't an inappropriate time to do it. If I didn't, you know, want you to do that, you wouldn't be on mic right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not really instead of. Exactly. It's just it's in addition and. to. Yeah. So, all right. The inability to identify, deal with, and accept challenging emotions, all skills that are not exactly taught under toxic masculinity, leads to an extreme emotional pain. And when men don't have the proper tools to deal with that pain, they turn it inward to destructive behaviors. Now it's important to once again note that toxic masculinity affects everyone in detrimental ways, but I'm speaking strictly from a man's perspective here. This isn't to imply otherwise. That was scripted. See, I was already on it. (laughs) Like so many of the issues in America, toxic masculinity can be traced back to the Victorian era, as Josephine Jobbins continues. Quote, Broadly, Victorian masculinity can be outlined as an ideology of spirituality and earnestness between 1837 and 1870 that changes to one of strength and stoicism from 1870. The ideas prevalent in the second half of this period can be understood as the foundation of a modern culture in which men are dying. Strength strength and athleticism were vital aspects of Victorian masculinity as today, 
In the 21st century, this often takes the form of unrealistic expectations of the male body as exemplified in the ever-popular superhero film, which reflects a wider expectation of emotional strength. Physical rigor was needed for men to be fit enough to fight and defend the British Empire. Late Victorian ideals of manhood as war-ready are evident in the literature of the time. To take one example, Rudyard Kipling's poem, If, from 1895, which acts as a guide to manhood for his son, takes inspiration from colonial administrator Leander Starr Jameson, presenting him as the ideal man. One characteristic which the poem promotes is that of level-headedness or stoicism suggested, for example. In the first two lines, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Although imperialism is of little significance today. <laughs> okay, okay, Miss Jobbins. Ideas of stoicism still endure. It's a widely held notion that boys don't cry and men are often depicted as rational and unemotional. And it is this set of beliefs which undoubtedly contributes to the high rate of suicide among men today. End quote. There it is. Okay, we have our tie into imperialism and thus capitalism. Took about 2,000 words, but we're finally there. Now we can talk about how modern capitalism pushed the narrative of women in the home so that men get free domestic labor, the need for women to continue regular production of children so they'll be adequate cannon fodder for our, uh, fodder for our expansionist wars, and how certain political parties use gender issues as a way to energize their base to continue the capitalist system. Have you guys heard of trad wives? Yeah, true. well, I mean... Like I, traditional yeah, wives? I, like, I, I assume we're talking quiverful style... Well, I don't know. I've just seen... Yeah, like, you'll have to elaborate for me on that. I've seen um, videos of this girl online, and she's, like, talking about this trad, which is short for traditional mm. trad wife movement, where she wants to provide all the domestic labor and for the guy to earn all of the money, and she's really happy doing that. And it's like, you know, if it's chosen, yeah, that's awesome. Like shit, maybe I would choose that because <laughs> you can't afford yeah, to just live off of one person's income anymore. <laughs> you know, like, plus, if COVID taught me anything, it's that not working is super boring and sad. So, like, you know, it's it's good for you to, like, have a job that you're passionate about, but it shouldn't be... Like, I don't know, it would be nice to have the option to just be like a 1950s housewife cleaning and cooking and doing like my own little mini Montessori school at yeah. home. Like, that's kind of appealing to me, but only if I choose it. If it's forced upon mm -hmm. me, then I resent it. That was a big issue in second wave feminism where there are women who wanted exactly that and then the feminists not all of them but you know subsection was like this is what we're fighting for to free you from the kitchen and she and the housewives were like no you're fighting so that i can have a choice whether to be in the kitchen or not mm -hmm. and that's i mean obviously i don't have a dog in this fight but that's where i fall it's like and I, how i was when i was married i i was like hey if you want to have a job go for it if you rather stay home and raise the kids and keep the house go for it and then i ended up keeping the house but i did a whole episode about domestic labor so y'all should go check that out if you haven't already so anybody else got any thoughts 
We're getting toward I mean, the yeah. end, so everybody feel free to bullshit as much as you want, and I'll cut whatever the hell I feel like it. It's good to have power. <laughs> as long as we're talking material conditions, this is kind of stuff I can weigh in on more. Like, uh, I mean, I've always been of the belief that like childcare should be subsidized, and Hallelujah. it's pretty clear, like that, you know the traditional way of raising a child for almost all of human evolution was community-based and that's been replaced since agriculture with like the women taking that that burden on right yeah yeah and so you know we're starting to get to the point where that's no i don't want to say like it's becoming more normal for for women to you know work and all that which obviously it is but it's the, the replacements that are being offered. Like, it's like send your kid to school more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's almost, it's like no wonder kids or young men grow up so fucked up. A lot of times either their moms or dads aren't around and you know, there's no real communal aspect to raising a child. Yeah. But I like think about that when, when my students get picked up at the end of the day, and I had to introduce myself. I'm like, hi, I'm the person who gets to spend more time with your kid than you do. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's an act of violence. Yeah. And uh, subsequently, we've, like Joe was just saying, we've d destroyed the community element of raising kids and tried to replace it with school itself, which there is definitely a community element there. You know, teachers are part of that community but you know it used to be everybody looked out for everybody and it was a team effort but without getting too much into the weeds Karl Marx <laughs> wrote about this and the isolation of man that happens under capitalism and <clears throat> the lack of a village is part of that particularly because the systems that be realized we can privatize child care it's, it's like housing the, or food or water you everybody's gonna need somebody to watch the kids you know the um the total lack of community makes me think the word malnourishment or like starvation yeah. that you grow up without certain good things being provided to your brain yeah and you're gonna have a deficit well, and it's just like Joe and I did two episodes about poor brain and it's the same concept it's not poor brain but it's emotionally stunted brain particularly it's scarcity yeah yeah and particularly if you're a man and you're not ever taught how to even conceptualize the scarcity you feel it's just this like hollow emptiness this fuels anger and that's all we're really taught about is you know your your loneliness is your problem and if you have a problem with it then that's that's you, you know, everybody's lonely, be a man, man up, you don't need anybody else, you're a rugged isolationist, go build a house in the middle of the woods by yourself, which, you know. And also, to jump in, kind of like therapy, like, just the idea of the commodification of somebody watching your child for you is just very, like, depressing and alienating to me, yeah. you know, like, I wish like work therapy, with like you have to pay, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I wish that I could work with the parents. Like, I wish that I could be in their home, like, supporting them and their parenting with these kids with special needs and, like, also be there to help. But I guess then he, 
they'd be isolated from the other children. But like, I don't know. I just wish that there could be more of a sense of community. But school districts are very much like, oh, we can't say the wrong thing. We're just going to let things shake out the way they will. Like mob. I don't know. I just wish that we could have more of a like close working relationship with the families. Yeah. Well, and in order to get there, I mean, that's ideal. But in order to get there, we need to restructure society so that the majority of working people can have the availability to right. be more involved with their schools. So, but that's a valid point. I think it's also like important to note that like a lot of these like um, toxic masculine masculine ideas like are generated mostly like I would I'd guess at least in the in the upper class. Like you think of like rich kids, where do they go to school? Like Catholic schools or private schools where it's like all boys or all girls, you know? And it's like places just have breeding even if it's not all boys or all girls it still greatly rigidly reinforces the gender roles as a former catholic school kid can say like i remember it was a big issue or it was a big controversy when they started allowing girls to be altar boys at my church so particularly if you're catholic because there's such a heavy dose of toxic patriarchy involved with the big sky daddy's OG cult. <clears throat> so, yeah. Anybody else got any other thoughts? Because I have, like, two more paragraphs to read. I just went on a tangent inside my own brain, and now I can't go back to the beginning of it, so <laughs> I had a whole conversation with myself, and please continue. Okay. All <laughs> right. I will do that, and I will remind you, just like when I do gestures with my hand I have to remind myself this isn't a video medium that I'm currently using <laughs> likewise and I have to remind Joe to turn off his fucking phone before we record I'm gonna remind you the conversations that happen in your head I won't be recording <laughs> <laughs> all right so I'm fully aware that there's a lot that we're not covering in this episode, particularly the history of patriarchy in America, many of the real-world consequences that go with these subjects, and how that worldview affects the greater society we live in. I tried to touch on the high points, and honestly, this is a really hard script to write. Not so much of the subject matter as I'm fully comfortable in my wholesome masculinity, but how to format it to make my point. I won't know until I do my editing, and by then, it'll be too late. I'm sure we'll come back to the subject like so many others, but I think this works as an uh, introduction episode. So, my male-identifying homies, let's talk about our feelings. Let's sit with them and learn to express them healthily. Let's work for cooperation rather than competition. Let's be aware of how non-men perceive our actions and ask ourselves if our reactions are healthy or if that's just vestigial toxic masculinity talking. Because if we want a better world, we have to do it by ourselves to help each other, to help out everyone. And after all, our only hope is each other. So yeah, that's it. That's the script. Anybody got anything to add? And then we'll do our plugs and then bounce the fuck out of here. Do, um, do, 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 I guess. Go for it. I don't know. I didn't have a lot of good stuff to add on this one just because this this is a weird topic for me. It, yeah. it requires a lot of like being introspective and it's something I don't think about a whole lot, but I'm sure it impacts my life a lot more than I, than I yeah. realize. Um, totally. But yeah, I, I do think like 
masculine, like ne negative masculine tropes, toxic masculinity is just another part of kind of class class warfare, and it's another way to divide people. Totally. Um, and yeah, that's my only input, really. Right on. So I I do want to ask you again. So, what makes a man? Oh well, it's his penis. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Nothing can defeat the penis. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think Joe and I meet up to do? Sword fight. That's it. You know, <laughs> I, are you asking me like what's a man or what's masculinity? Because I feel like those are two different things, right? Well, and see, I I agree with that statement, but we've also equated the two so heavily in America, right? And as to what type of, you know, what type of masculinity makes you a man? Because the people who believe in toxic masculinity believe that practicing wholesome masculinity makes you feminine and you are no longer a man. So... Like, what was manhood before the concept of masculinity? You know? Has masculinity always been around? Like, or, you know, how has it changed and evolved? Like... I don't know. This one I got to think about. I got to Okay. Yeah. I respect it. I, g I gave you a lot to digest here. Yeah. Like lizard brain, like back in the caveman days before really there was culture, it's probably just like, I seem to be bigger and stronger than this other yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and then eventually it turned into like... that make me want to put this thing or Yeah, here. exactly. Now I'm a provider. I, I put a cave over our heads. Right. I built a fire, motherfucker. <laughs> I built a fire, so now you bastards better take care of me when I'm too old to hunt. Yeah. Yeah, practicality. So, yeah. All right. Well, we have reached the end of the show. Do you guys have anything you want to plug again? Call 1-800-STEAMER. Stanley <laughs> Steamer makes garbage cleaner. Okay. Hello. And if she you need cash it. now, call 1-800-JG-WENTWORTH. <laughs> Actually, I think it's 1-800-CASH-NOW. 877-CASH-NOW. There we go. JG-WENTWORTH. I don't know if that's local or national. And hey, speaking of, since it, my mind crossed it, I just want to shout out to a couple different subsets of my listeners. I want to shout out to my little Zoomer homies. I have like... 15 percent my little of, zoomer homies. yeah hell yeah i have like 15 percent of my listeners are zoomers uh, primarily i have uh jenna or uh, millennials and a few gen xers but i totally have like 15 percent of my listeners are little zoomers so you guys kick ass and you're the future of the world and also shout out to like the seven percent of my listeners who live in germany like that's dope i mean i i what Exactly. I have a few list or I have some listeners in Canada and that's pretty cool too. But you know, Canada's neighbor to the north. I'm less impressed by that as opposed to, hey, somebody, you know, <laughs> oh far, far away is listening to this. So yeah, I, I imagine my talk about how to punch Nazis in the first season probably drew them in. So all right. Joe, you got you got plugs? Yeah, I, got, I pulled up a Billy May script. I was going to read the whole thing, but I just don't have the energy. In okay, well, I will settle for, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> no, wait. Are you on your feet all day? Does the constant pounding cause your ankles, knees, and back to ache? Hey, Billy May's here. No, I'm, I don't want to. <laughs>
that's enough to keep him. If he'd kept going, it was going to get cut. But... <laughs> next week, you'll get to hear Or I'll just make it, you you get to do like two lines at the end of every episode, and then when you're done, I'll clip them all together and release it as a exclusive content to subscribers. You know, you're, it just gets better and better, the idea, the, the, the extra content. That's what we need to do. This day and age, you got to have that content. Yeah, tell me about it. And that's why we're doing this, and hopefully I'll get another couple recorded on Monday, so I'll have a backlog again. So, yeah, plugs. Um, Y'all can find me on Facebook, Red Leg Revolution. I'm on Twitter at Red Leg Pod. I'm also on YouTube, but I'm really horrible about uploading things. And I just joined Reddit, so I don't know how that works, but you can find me there at Red Leg Pod. And uh, I feel... Oh, yeah, so I also switched my funding model through Anchor. Instead of monthly supporters, there's now a subscription option for a low, low price of a 99 cents a month. You get access to bonus episodes and early access and all the good con- content that Joe is just talking about. So it's a buck a month, you know? Come on, kick a homie a little, little something, something. So. Speaking of a little something, something, I apologize for my brain being about 75% asleep through most of this. I'm very tired. But I remembered that if anyone listening would like a tarot reading to find me on TikTok at dreamgazertarot. Yeah, there we go. See, Joe, that is a plug, homie. You got to give them a place to go. It does not fit with the mold of this. uh, My my username does not go well with (laughs) what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> well and honestly i i can't do tiktok either it's way too overstimulating but yeah, i just too. post stuff of my yeah. cat yeah so. so dream gazer tarot check it out and check it out and in the yeah here we go <clears throat> check it out check it out Ooh, hot Okay, uh, yeah, so we're going to get out of here. By now, I would have already cued the outro music, so we're out. Deuces. Anyway. Bye. <laughs> Fuck you, John Wayne, toxic masculinity bringing motherfucker. You hey. son of a bitch. Got a minute.